Hey everyone, welcome to this week's conversation with Dr. Stephen Ned about the body and how to fix, protect, or maintain it using outside-the-box alternative solutions. If you're a big fan of the pharmaceutical or surgical approach, you are so in the wrong place because on this podcast, we're not going to be pushing the conventional medicine methods or way of thinking about health. If you're looking for another way to live longer and healthier, join me, Ron Ned, and my brother, Dr. Stephen Ned, for this week's body chat about trace minerals and other supplements. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast, we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen in to our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice, so don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Steven Nett as a patient at his office. Good evening, Steve. Hi, Ron. How's it going in LA? It is going wet, cold and wet, and we're going to have more wet this week, which is just great. Yikes. Hmm. It's just lovely here, mid-70s and sunny. All right, so enough of that. Tonight, we're going to go into the rest of the minerals, or most of the rest of the minerals. We covered four of the key ones before. Uh, We did calcium, magnesium, sodium, and potassium. Now, there are other main minerals we haven't covered, which is chloride, phosphorus, and sulfur. So what roles do these minerals play in the body's functions and health? All right, let's start with chloride since we already went over this a bit in our last podcast on sodium and potassium. Right. Chloride is an electrolyte that works along with sodium to control the amount of water outside the cells as well as blood pressure. Uh, It also combines with sodium to form table salt. And it's also used by the stomach to produce hydrochloric acid, which is needed to digest protein and absorb other minerals like calcium, magnesium, and iron. And it's also needed to absorb vitamin B12. Hmm. Uh, Phosphorus, along with calcium, is needed to build healthy bones and teeth since they're the major mineral components of both of those. Okay. And we learned in the Calcium and Magnesium podcast that magnesium is needed in over 300 vital metabolic reactions in the body, but phosphorus is used in more bodily functions than any other mineral, including magnesium. Oh, boy, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, me neither. So these include uh, the metabolism of carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. It's used as an essential structural component of cell membranes, as well as RNA and DNA. It's used for all energy production and storage in the body. Also, a number of enzymes and hormones in the body are dependent upon it. It's also needed for the pH balance of the body, and it's also needed to build brain and nerve cells too. Hmm. Those are all very important things that I would never guess phosphorus had anything to do with. Me too. And then sulfur. Uh, This aids digestion, waste elimination, bile secretion, and detoxification of the body, especially in the liver. It's found in the hair, nails, cartilage, and blood. Speaking of cartilage, there was a book written in 1996 called The Arthritis Cure, which I read. And it gave some fascinating information about why sulfur is so important for joint cartilage and also its connection to the liver. What's that? Well, he used this Robin Hood analogy in which Robin Hood would steal from the rich to feed the poor. 
Mm -hmm. And in the human body, the richest source of sulfur is joint cartilage, especially the knees, spinal discs, and hips. Mm -hmm. So when the liver needs a certain amount of sulfur to detoxify and you're not getting enough of it from the diet or from supplements, uh, the best dietary sources happen to be smelly foods like onions, garlic, and eggs. Uh, when you don't get enough sulfur, then your body will be inclined to steal from the knees, hips, and discs, causing degenerative arthritis in these joints. Hmm. So just like Robin Hood, eats steal from the rich to feed the poor, your liver will steal from your cartilage to get the sulfur it needs to detoxify. Oh, yeah. okay. So that's why it's important to have those particular foods. Yeah, or to supplement with sulfur-based molecules, because not only do they help to detoxify the liver, they keep it from ripping sulfur from your joint cartilage, and they also are used to help build and maintain cartilage. Mm. So I'm going to later talk about a supplement which contains three different forms of sulfur that are good for building and maintaining cartilage while keeping the liver in check at the same time. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So now these, along with the ones we talked before about, are called major minerals. Why is that? Well, these seven minerals are called major minerals because they're used and stored in large quantities in the body. And they're also referred to as macro minerals with macro meaning large. And in this case, large doesn't mean size, but rather the amount required by the body. Okay. So besides the seven major minerals, there's at least nine other essential minerals and those are known as trace minerals. So why are those called trace minerals? I can kind of guess maybe after what you said about the major minerals, but give it a shot. All right. Well, they're called trace minerals because they're required in much smaller amounts than major minerals. And specifically, the daily requirement for each of the trace minerals is under 100 milligrams per day. Okay. But I would like to point out that despite the fact that these minerals are needed in tinier amounts, they're just as vital to our health as the major minerals because each of the trace minerals has a specific biochemical function in the body. All right. And that's what we're going to be going over. So now why don't you give us the list of the trace minerals? Well, you know, you would think this would be pretty easy to answer since all the minerals and elements have been identified. But at this point in time, it's debatable and it varies from source to source. And I've seen it as low as nine as, and as much as 14 as far as which trace minerals are considered essential. Okay. So I'm just going to list the various elements that have been classified as trace minerals by various sources. All right. So they include uh, boron, chromium, cobalt, copper, iodine, iron, manganese, molybdenum, selenium, silicon, vanadium, and zinc. Okay. And in addition, other minerals have been classified as trace minerals by some sources, but there is little research to support them as essential trace minerals. I've seen some of these show up on hair analysis reports as either toxic heavy metals or beneficial minerals. So more research needs to be done to definitively classify them. And they include aluminum, arsenic, barium, beryllium, cadmium, sorry, that was under, <laughs> cadmium, lithium, nickel, strontium, and tin. All right. Well, as long as uranium isn't on the list or radium, then I think that we're in good shape. Now, of the trace minerals that you just described, which are the ones that seem to be the most important and why? Well, 
from that list I just gave you, the trace minerals that I would deem the most important are chromium, cobalt, copper, iodine, iron, manganese, molybdenum, selenium, and zinc. And I'll just go through these. Okay. Um, as far as chromium, this is actually a heavy metal, uh, but it's a good one because it regulates blood sugar and plays a role in the metabolism of carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as cobalt, this helps treat illnesses such as anemia and some infectious diseases. It aids in the repair of myelin, which surrounds and protects the nerve cells and spinal cord. Mm-hmm. And it helps in the formation of hemoglobin in red blood cells. Wow. Yeah. Now, without this mineral, one of the most important B vitamins cannot be produced or absorbed. Can you remember which one that is? I would say B12. You got it. Okay. B12 also happens to be called cobalamin because it contains cobalt. Right. So right on. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is copper. And its primary purpose is that it's required for the absorption and metabolism of another trace mineral that we're going to cover in a moment, iron. Mm. Yeah. It's also part of the naturally occurring vitamin C complex and is needed for making red blood cells, regulating tr- neurotransmitters, and mopping up harmful free radicals. And copper has a lot to do with hair and nails, if I remember correctly, too. Now, iodine. Mm-hmm. This is primarily used by the thyroid gland to make thyroid hormone, but it's also an excellent antiseptic, and it's terrific for the immune system. And I'll go into more detail on iodine in our upcoming episode on thyroid conditions. Okay. Now we get to iron. This is an essential component of many proteins and enzymes and is needed for the building of bone and lean muscle tissue. But it's best known for its role as the primary component of hemoglobin in red blood cells. And again, hemoglobin is the oxygen-carrying part of red blood cells. And when it's deficient, then an individual is diagnosed with anemia. Manganese is important for many chemical reactions in the body. It's needed for carbohydrate metabolism along with regulating blood sugar levels, is needed for strong tissues and bones, and is needed for antioxidant and enzyme function. And in a little bit, I'll go over how a deficiency of manganese in the body can be devastating when it's caused by exposure to the toxic herbicide chemical glyphosate. Okay. Molybdenum. This activates several enzymes that break down toxins and prevent the buildup of harmful sulfites in the body. It also promotes normal cell function, triggers the breakdown of some amino acids, and supports the production of red blood cells. Okay. Next up, we have selenium, and this supports the immune system. It also plays a critical role in reproduction, thyroid hormone metabolism, and DNA synthesis. And its most impressive role is as an anti-cancer antioxidant, especially when it's combined with vitamin E. Hmm, Very good. Yeah, there's lots of studies proving that now. Hmm. And then finally, zinc. Uh, Not only is zinc excellent for the prevention and treatment of colds, but it also helps regulate blood sugar, blood clotting, wound healing, cell division, and the production of proteins and DNA. Excellent. As long as you don't overdo it. That's right. Now, you may have noticed that I left one out that's pretty controversial. Can you guess which one that is? Haggis. No. <laughs> Wrong like, again. Here you her from the last episode. <laughs> right. It's fluoride. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about this a little bit now. Okay. As you know, we've been told by medical experts that it strengthens bones and by dentists that it wards off tooth decay. 
And because of this, fluoride has been added to toothpaste and municipal drinking water. Mm -hmm. Sounds good, but studies have shown that fluoride only delays the formation of cavities and that tooth decay rates are declining in fluoridated areas at the same rate as unfluoridated areas. Well, that's not something that they'd want us to know. Right. The main problem with fluoride is that instead of using naturally occurring calcium fluoride, which is found in oats, sunflower seeds, mackerel, raw milk, cheese, garlic, beet tops, green leafy vegetables, almonds, seawater, and hard water, they use sodium fluoride and sodium silicofluoride, which are toxic byproducts of, get this, aluminum and fertilizer industries. Oh, great. Yeah. A report prepared by the Library of Congress's Congressional Research Service for the U.S. House Subcommittee on the Environment and the Atmosphere List. Fluoride, along with chlorines, asbestos, nickel, and mercury, is, is a pollutant which is dangerous due to its adverse effect on the central nervous system and the increased risk of cancer, heart disease, and genetic mutations it poses. Nice. Yeah. According to chemistry indexes, sodium fluoride is more toxic than lead and only a little less toxic than arsenic. Wow. And sodium fluoride is also a common ingredient in rat and cockroach poisons, anesthetics, and hypnotics. Mm. Now get this. Uh oh. It's one of the basic ingredients in the antidepressant drug Prozac, which is also known as fluoxetine hydrochloride. The FLU in fluoxetine is from fluoride. Wow. And it's also found in the military nerve gas sarin, which is also known as isopropyl methyl phosphoryl fluoride. Oh. <laughs> wow. Now, another thing you'll likely never hear the government or mainstream media report is the fact that animal studies have shown that sodium fluoride leads to significant deterioration in mental alertness accompanied by a state of passive bewilderment. Maybe that's why all the politicians in Washington have such great teeth. Yeah. <laughs> and Zoom. why... Oh my God. <laughs> they are bewildered and kind of out of it. Great observation. Um, zookeepers have used it on animals to pacify them. And fighting bulls have been given the same amount put in our drinking water, which is one part per million, because it makes them so docile that they refuse to charge. Mm. Chronic fluoride poisoning affects the section of the brain associated with volition and the will to resist. So this stuff can make people stupid, subservient, and docile all in one. Wow. I'm yeah. sure that that's unintentional. No, not at all. When I found this out back in 1990 from reading a book called The Book of Health by Susan Stockton, who I actually met, I've avoided fluoride since then by using fluoride-free toothpaste and only drinking purified water. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right. So now that we know what the trace minerals are, is it possible to get enough of the trace minerals in your diet or does a person need to supplement their diet to be able to get enough? Well, most medical experts use a blanket statement saying that everyone should be able to get all the trace minerals they need by eating a healthy, well-balanced diet. Of course. Well, I can tell you that most Americans don't eat a healthy, well-balanced diet. Instead, follow the SAD or standard American diet, which is composed of processed, refined, preserved, irradiated, genetically modified, enriched, 
and otherwise devitalized food-like substances. Right. Sorry for sounding so negative and bleak, but I'm just giving, giving it to you like it is. Right. You know? And that is true for most people. Yeah. Now, speaking of genetically modified foods, I've brought up the herbicide glyphosate numerous times on previous podcasts. And as you know, it's the active ingredient in Roundup. Uh, I think it would be a good idea to dedicate an entire podcast covering genetically modified foods featuring this nasty chemical and emphasizing the importance of choosing organic versus non-organic foods. I completely agree. So we will definitely be doing that. Okay, good. So I want to continue on this. Uh, two researchers, one from MIT, which is Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and the other a scientist from New Hampshire, have written a series of six papers published in referenced medical journals looking at the connection of glyphosate and modern diseases. One of them was titled Glyphosate Pathways to Modern Diseases Number 3, Manganese, Neurological Diseases, and Associated Pathologies. They point out that Roundup is now the most widely used herbicide on the planet, and it has attained this widespread usage on core food crops in large part because of its perceived non-toxicity to humans. Mm -hmm. It's estimated that over 90% of these food crops in the United States now use genetically engineered Roundup-ready seeds, and they include corn, soy, canola, alfalfa, and sugar beets, with the purpose of making it relatively easy to control weeds without killing the crop plant. Mm-hmm. However, the problem is that glyphosate ends up being present as a residue in the foods that these crops yield. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to read an excerpt from the beginning of this paper regarding manganese. Okay. So, quote, uh, quote unquote here, uh, manganese is an often overlooked but important nutrient required in small amounts for multiple essential functions in the body. A recent study on cows fed genetically modified Roundup-ready feed revealed a severe depletion of serum manganese. Hmm. It's manganese in their blood. Right. Glyphosate, the active ingredient in Roundup, has also been shown to severely deplete manganese levels in plants. Here we investigate the impact of manganese on physiology and its association with gut dysbiosis, which is imbalance of good and bad bacteria in the gut, as well as neuropathology such as autism, Alzheimer's disease, depression, anxiety syndrome, Parkinson's disease, and other diseases. So this paper goes over precisely how glyphosate can cause a multitude of problems in the body and shows statistical graphs correlating the rise in these various diseases with the increased production of GMO corn and soy in the United States. Wow. Yeah. Now... Very few of us eat the recommended daily recommendations of fruits and vegetables, and even fewer get enough of these, which are organic. Mm -hmm. uh, according to a study by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in November of 2017, just 12% of Americans eat the minimum daily fruit recommendation of one and a half to two cups per day, and only 9% consume the minimum daily vegetable recommendation of two to three cups per day. And obviously, yeah, and obviously much fewer people are eating enough organic fruits and vegetables daily. True. Now, here's the kicker. Even if you are eating the recommended daily amounts of healthy organic foods, 
The fact is that trace mineral amounts in soil and water are not the same in all parts of the world. So where you live could also impact the quantity and quality of trace minerals in your food. Mm, that is a good point to know. Yeah. So for example, high yield farming techniques in the United States and other countries are notorious for depleting trace minerals. Right. In addition, the soil in certain sub-Saharan regions are especially low in the ultra-important trace mineral that we just went over, zinc. And this is a big reason why I chose to grow my own fruits and vegetables organically in my yard because I can control not only the nutrient content that I add to the soil, but also the quality of the water that they receive in addition to rainwater. Exactly. You know, other factors that can lead to trace mineral deficiencies in the body include strict vegetarian diets, strenuous exercise, pregnancy, gastrointestinal diseases, and malabsorption issues, and certain surgeries, including the resection of bowel segments, which can disrupt mineral absorption into the bloodstream and tissues. Okay. So I would say that unless you're growing your own organic fruits and vegetables, knowing the mineral content, and also testing yourself with blood tests, or better yet, through hair analysis, which is a much better representation of tissue mineral analysis. Mm-hmm then the safe thing to do is to supplement with trace minerals to make sure that you're getting enough of them. So the answer to the question, which has been long-winded on my part here, is no, I don't think there's, there's any way people are really getting enough trace minerals in their diet. Yeah, exactly. And even earlier when you were talking, I was thinking about how the fact of our soil being depleted of minerals since the 1920s and 1930s would come into play with that. Yes. So... Obviously, people need to supplement their diet for getting an adequate amount of trace minerals. So what are the best trace mineral supplements that you know of? Well, that's a really good question because there are so many good ones out there, and I prefer to muscle test them to see which tests best for each individual. Mm -hmm. I prefer them in a liquid form as opposed to pills or capsules so that they're easier to absorb. Okay. Two of my favorites are colloidal minerals and Dr. Berg's trace minerals. No. Okay. So I'll go through these. The Dr. Berg that wrote the seven principles of fat burning that we're going to be talking about in a couple of weeks. That's correct. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So colloidal minerals have been around a while and they really took off when the lecture dead doctors don't lie was distributed back in the mid 1990s. You remember that one? I remember that very well. Mm-hmm. So any of you out there, if you haven't heard this classic lecture, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, Dr. Joel Wallach does an outstanding job on educating you on the importance of minerals. And his colloidal minerals product is called Majestic Earth Plant-Derived Minerals and can be purchased through a company called Longevity, and we'll leave a link for this. Okay. Uh, This liquid organic supplement contains up to 77 minerals from prehistoric plants and are pure since they come straight from the plant with nothing added to them like sugar or flavoring or chemical preservatives and nothing subtracted. Uh By the way, it comes from plants preserved in humic shale in southern Utah dating back to 70 million years ago when dinosaurs were around. Wow. That's amazing. Uh And, you know, for those of you who don't know what colloidal means, well, it's about time you do. All right. Yeah, so colloidal here refers to microscopic particles, in this case minerals, which are in the 1 to 1,000 nanometer range, which means they're substantially larger than atoms or ordinary molecules, but too small to be visible to the unaided eye. Okay. 
And these tiny particles are suspended or evenly distributed in water, which means that they do not settle at the bottom of a container. And they're sometimes classified in parts per million, which is basically how concentrated they are in a particular amount of water. Okay. Now, Dr. Eric Berg's trace minerals are comparable to longevity plant-derived minerals since they're also plant-derived and are from 70 million years ago, but I'm not sure if they're extracted from the same location. Oh, okay. He claims that they're 10,000 times smaller than rock or salt-based minerals, which makes them 100% absorbable. So that's really impressive. That's an important thing too. Yeah. Now, speaking of salt, Mm -hmm. I would like to also plug Himalayan salt because it contains over 70 minerals in the same crystalline structure that corresponds with the bones and enzymes of our bodies. And these minerals are also in the same proportion that they're found in human cells. Wow. Yeah. Now, they're one step down from true colloidal minerals because they're ionic colloidal and they're much larger particles than true colloidal minerals. But they're still valuable as far as a major mineral and trace mineral source and a significantly better salt source than table salt. Right. That's what I use. And you can get it at Trader Joe's. Yes. All right. So let's go into another one. Now that we've covered the trace minerals, we're going to circle back to one of them, only a specific form of it. And that's chromium picolinate. Why is chromium picolinate a mother's best friend during birthday time? Well, we went over this in podcast episode number six on sugar and episode number 50 on holiday health and diet tips. Mm -hmm. As you remember, chromium picolinate helps the pancreas produce insulin more efficiently to handle large amounts of sugar consumption, which obviously occurs at kid parties. Exactly. By the way, another mineral that's also considered a trace mineral, vanadium, which is also known as vanadyl sulfate, has the same effect as chromium and is often combined with chromium picolinate in nutritional supplements. Ah. Yeah. So before your kids leave for a party, have them take some chromium along with vanadium for blood sugar stabilization. And it wouldn't be a bad idea to give them some protein also either before they leave or to take with them since protein should be eaten at all meals to keep your blood sugar levels from spiking or crashing. Exactly. All right. So that's chromium picolinate. Now we're going to move on to some other valuable supplements. We've covered the vitamins. We've covered the minerals. Let's go into something known as activated charcoal, which is not something you throw in your barbecue but it's something that's helpful for certain conditions that it can occur. Let's go over what it does and why it's important that everyone has some of this in their house. Well, I spoke about this invaluable supplement in the travel related conditions podcast number 30. Mm -hmm. And if you recall, I went over the fact that this supplement typically comes in capsules and has been around a very long time going back to biblical times. Mm Mm-hmm. This stuff can absorb up to a thousand times its weight and can remove toxins from the body, including those produced by microorganisms like parasites and bacteria like staph and salmonella. Uh, It can also neutralize toxins from ant bites and bee stings, as well as those occurring from drug overdoses. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it can literally save your life and should always be taken with you when traveling abroad, especially to countries that are high risk for unsafe drinking water you know, including countries in Central America, especially Mexico, Mm -hmm. as well as most of Africa and Asia and the Middle East. If you recall, that podcast also has links that help travelers identify which countries have safe or unsafe drinking water. So it's good to refer back to that one. That's right. All right. So that's 
Activated charcoal. Now, you mentioned about colloidal minerals, and I know you've mentioned also on earlier podcasts about colloidal silver. So let's go into that again. What is colloidal silver and what's it helpful with? Well, colloidal silver is a specific type of colloidal mineral. And it's been found to kill various microorganisms, including bacteria, viruses, and fungus. It was a very popular natural remedy and used widely in hospitals from the early 1900s and into the 1930s until the introduction of the wonder drug antibiotics, which you know, pretty much wiped out the use of colloidal silver until it made a comeback again in the 1970s, especially after research showed that silver could kill invasive burn bacteria, permitting wounds to heal better. And as a result, it's now used in 70% of burn centers in America. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, I remember reading an article in Science Digest that stated, and I quote, antibiotics kill perhaps a half dozen different disease organisms, but silver kills some 650. Resistant, stain, resistant strains fail to develop. Moreover, silver is virtually non-toxic. Colloidal silver used as an antimicrobial agent will not create superbugs as antibiotics do. Wow. Yeah. Colloidal silver has even been successful in killing the notorious flesh-eating bacteria, which normally requires intravenous antibiotics and the surgical removal of tissue that's been damaged and destroyed by it. Mm. And there's been a lot of controversy surrounding colloidal silver, primarily due to the fact that certain forms of silver can produce a condition called Argyria, which is where your skin turns blue-gray due to the overuse of certain sources of silver that are not true colloidal silver sources. Okay. Now, there's studies that go back as far as 1918 that have proven that true colloidal silver, even used intravenously, will not irritate the kidneys or produce any pigmentation of the skin. So this is why it's very important that you purchase a true colloidal silver supplement because there's actually three distinct types of silver products on the market that are labeled and sold as colloidal silver. And they are true colloidal silver, mm -hmm. ionic silver, mm -hmm. and silver protein. Now, due to the high concentration of large silver particles, silver protein products are known to cause argyria, which again will turn your skin blue-gray color. And because silver protein is a high concentration of large silver particles in high parts per million, it must absolutely be avoided so that your skin doesn't turn blue-gray. Right. Ionic silver has smaller particles, and manufacturers claim that it will not cause argyria, but I still wouldn't recommend it since nothing is better than true colloidal silver. Okay. Well, with, you know, with all that in mind, I recommend the best colloidal silver supplement that I've used and recommended for over 25 years, and that is silver water. This product contains purified microfiltered water and three parts per million colloidal silver with one ounce containing over 9 billion particles of pure silver minerals. Hmm. It's a 32-ounce bottle at just $20 a bottle, and it's safe enough that I've used it successfully with people of all ages, including infants and the elderly. And, you know, we carry it at our office and you can get it on Amazon. So that would be something along with activated charcoal that people should absolutely make sure that they have around in their house. They wouldn't necessarily travel with it because they won't let you take it on a plane, but you should have it at least at your house. 
Absolutely. Okay. Now, are there any other important supplements that we haven't covered that listeners should know about? Oh, yeah. And I've covered nearly all of these in previous podcasts. So I'm just going to list them and briefly summarize their benefits. Okay. Let's start with uh, full spectrum curcumin. Uh, this is a water soluble version of curcumin as opposed to standard curcumin, which is fat soluble and needs black pepper for it to work well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 185 times more bioavailable than standard curcumin. So one 40 milligram soft gel of this supplement is like taking 75 100 milligram capsules of standard curcumin. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a great alternative to over-the-counter non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like aspirin, Tylenol, and ibuprofen. Okay. So that would be something people should have. Oh, yeah. Ultraflex Forte is my favorite joint support supplement. It has three different forms of sulfur in it, which as we learned earlier is not just important for cartilage, but also liver detoxification. Mm -hmm. So the three forms of sulfur in it are glucosamine sulfate, chondroitin sulfate, and MSM. And each of them plays a different role in cartilage, so it's important that they're taken together because combined, they build cartilage, preserve and strengthen it, and prevent it from deteriorating. Okay. So, you know, people take these supplements and they tend to take one or maybe two of them, but they don't usually get all three. And so they don't get as good a result as if they were combined. That's why I like this supplement. I can see that. All right. Let's uh, talk about Ligamend. This is a connective tissue support supplement that I recommend for ligament sprains that can occur from auto accidents, slips and falls, and sports injuries. And it's not only good for ligaments, but also all types of connective tissue as well as muscle during the rehab phase of tissue and joint repair. Okay. Uh, Next up is Flu Terminator. This is an awesome homeopathic solution that I recommend for flu prevention or to be taken at the onset to knock it out quickly or to be taken once the flu is taken hold to knock it out quicker. Okay. And you can refer to our previous podcast on the flu and vitamin D for more information on taking the both of these to handle the flu quickly. Great. Next up is probiotics. And these are vital for your immune system and the balance of good and bad bacteria in the gut. Uh, There are quite a few things that reduce the number of these important microorganisms with antibiotics obviously topping the list. And, you know, when choosing them, I recommend that you get at least 30 billion CFU active probiotic cultures daily and try to get as many strains of bacteria as possible. Okay. You know, I've used many brands, including Renew Life and Garden of Life, and tend to alternate so that I'm constantly adding new and different strains and combinations. Uh, The current supplement that I'm using, and it seems to be working very well by the quality and frequency of my elimination, is... Blue Bonnet Advanced Choice Single Daily Probiotic. It contains 30 billion live cultures per capsule and has 20 different bacterial strains along with the prebiotic inulin, which comes from chicory root extract. Wow. Yeah. Prebiotics, by the way, feed probiotics so that they can reproduce and survive longer. Exactly. Yeah. I just wanted to add in one of those six papers written by those two researchers on glyphosate, one of them talked about, uh, and in fact, I think it was in the one on manganese, they talked about how when the levels of a certain lactobacillus in the intestines become reduced and very low, then people have a tendency to have anxiety. Hmm. 
And so taking this particular supplement could potentially help people with anxiety. Wow. Yeah. Who would have thought? You know. Okay, next up is Super 2. This is by far the best elimination boosting supplement I've ever come across. It's so much better than standard laxatives because it's not habit forming. And not only does it cleanse the bowel, but it actually stimulates the natural contraction of the large intestine called peristalsis, which gets at the root cause of constipation. I mean, this supplement works so well that it belongs in the same category as death and taxes as far as certainty is concerned. <laughs> it just, this stuff just works. That's great. Another one I like is Z12. It's my favorite supplement for insomnia. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been taking this now for over seven years and along with melatonin helps me to get to sleep quickly and stay asleep. Uh, it contains three ingredients, 5-HTP, L-theanine, and phenobut, and you can find out more about it by listening to podcast number 54 on sleep. Right. And we come to Fosdrops. Now, this is a liquid supplement from NutraWest and contains orthophosphoric acid along with inositol and choline. It's not something I would recommend taking daily, but it can be used for some really interesting conditions. It's specifically designed to encourage a healthy blood calcium and phosphorus ratio. And it's often used in gallbladder flush protocols, including the one that I recommend. I've also found it to be helpful for eliminating acute muscle cramps. Just a couple dropperfuls of this in water at the onset of a muscle cramp or spasm can effectively reduce it very quickly. Our dad used to get those all the time, and this is the only thing that gave him relief. Wow. Yeah. And my favorite use for this is the elimination of kidney stones since it along with taking along with liquid magnesium solution can put accumulated calcium deposits back in solution very quickly. I mean, I've seen it dissolve kidney stones within 24 hours. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, uh, let's move on to Iosol. This is a liquid iodine supplement similar to... Lugol's iodine, which has been around forever. Mm -hmm. It's great for people with underactive thyroid conditions who need this for thyroid support. And when we cover the thyroid in detail in an upcoming episode, I'll go over how you can simply test yourself at home to determine if you have enough iodine in your body. That's a great test, by the way. So make sure you listen to that episode that's coming up. Mm -hmm. And finally, lectin shield. This is a product by the author of The Plant Paradox, Dr. Stephen Gundry, and it contains a unique combination of nutrients designed to be taken before meals containing harmful pro-inflammatory proteins called lectins, which you can learn more about by listening to our podcast on The Plant Paradox, number 28, and by reading the book. Uh, the nutrients in this supplement are designed to bind to the lectins in your diet to help minimize the effects of the lectins, and this obviously promotes digestive comfort and overall health. And you know, this is another supplement that you don't take all the time because it should only be taken when you cheat on the diet when you're eating foods loaded with lectins. Yeah, for me personally, I find that it's good to take if I'm going out to eat somewhere because it's a lot harder to control what you get. That's correct. Excellent. Now, that's quite a bit that you covered there. So, I don't know if I need to even ask this question, but is there anything else you'd like to say about this topic before we end? No, I'm pretty wiped out now. I think we covered enough for one episode. Okay, good. I think that that's great. We did cover quite a bit. So between these eight episodes, people can go and find out just about everything they need to know about dietary supplements, vitamins, and minerals. 
And next week, we're going to wrap this all up by going over the aspect of balance when it comes to supplements with vitamins and minerals. We've talked about it along the way on these eight episodes, but we're going to summarize all of that when we get to the next episode. So join us next week to listen to that. I think people should come and pay attention to that next week, Steve. Yeah. And I'm sure we're all going to learn something there. Probably will. All right. Thanks again, Steve. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at info at bodychatpodcast.com. That's info at bodychatpodcast.com. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week. Mm-hmm.